Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. I prepared a a specific message with with you guys in mind, specifically starting first year, etc. But just now during worship, I just felt the Holy Spirit just laying out of my heart to to leave that sermon for another time, maybe, and uh, and just share just share something just out of my own life, a little bit of my own testimony, and uh, he laid a specific another scripture on my heart, which I'm going to read for you. If you've got Bibles here, or you want to take notes, you're welcome to do that. It is out of two Timothy three, from verse one to five. Here, and it goes like this. Is everybody awake? Just nudge somebody next to you. Say, here goes. Either everybody is asleep or asleep or nobody did that. <laughs> okay, let's go. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And... uh if you are wondering whether we're in the last days, if you just go according to that scripture, then it's quite clear that we are in the last days. Because all around us we see the, the marks of this. We see this all around us. We, we see all around ourselves that the people are lovers of themselves. They are treacherous, they're proud, they're abusive, disobedient to their parents. Us also sometimes form part of that group there. Uh, rash, lovers of pleasures, lovers of God. You, you, you'd agree that if we just go according to the scripture, then we have to be in the last days. Agreed? You guys are very quiet. Have your heart got told you that you must just be quiet? Not. Okay. All right. If you agree, then nod your head. Okay. You don't have to say something. If you don't agree, then keep quiet. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you agree? All right. We're in the last days. Okay. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. In, uh, in India, you, you saw there on that video clip, they talk about uh, Let's Go Missions. And uh, while, I was, while I was a student, we went to, um, went to, to India a couple of times on, on missions and outreaches. And uh, it's quite confusing. Are there any Indians in the house? I haven't seen anybody that's Indian now. Yeah, anyway. Um, it's quite confusing. You've, you've, if you've seen some, an Indian from India, or maybe from Durban, um, they'll go like this. And, and they actually mean yes, or I'm listening, or okay, just carry on. So it's very funny. The first year I'm there, we, 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 under, we misunderstand each other just slightly because they, the people I'm talking to are English, but so, and they eat rice. Lots and lots and lots of rice. Yeah, so like the South Africans eat a lot of bread or pup, they eat rice morning, afternoon, and night, and uh, so they they really fed us a lot of food and a lot of rice. 
So the team, I was leading the team at that stage, and the team is, is they really don't have any more capacity for food. They don't have any more capacity for, for rice. And they're like, please just ask them, when they ask you next time what to prepare, just ask them not rice and not eggs, because eggs is another one that we got all of the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, and, I, t- and I tell this to the, to the pastor that's hosting us, and, uh, and, he, and he talks to me, and he's like, and, and I go like this, so then he repeats himself. And I go like this as if I'm listening, and he repeats himself. And then I realized I need to change the way that I'm not, and I went, I went like this. And he turned around and he walked away. <laughs> um, so there was just this, this communication gap. And the next morning at breakfast, we had three different kinds of rice and three different kinds of eggs. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, we missed each other in terms of what not to have versus what to have. But anyway, that's just, that just reminded me. You guys not nodding just reminded me of that. Okay, So whatever, just, just give me something to work with. Okay, so I believe that this, this scripture here, the, the very last part of that, of that specific uh, verses that I read there, it says there that people have a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, people that live Christian on a Sunday, but deny the power of the cross Monday to Saturday. We see that all around us, right? And we maybe see a little bit of that in our own lives as well. That's, that's, that's what we call dead religion. That's what we call playing church and not being serious with God. Now, I grew up in church. I grew up in a relatively traditional church. Uh, um, I'm Afrikaans, so I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church. And, and the people around me, they sincerely, or some of them at least, sincerely sought after God. Um, however, I didn't pick up the life, the life that Jesus talks about in the Bible, I didn't pick up all that much in the people around me's life. For example, my parents got divorced when I was, in, when I was about 9 or 10 years old. And we were in church, and we went, to, we went to church every Sunday. So somewhere along the line, those two things didn't agree. There's a, there's a form of godliness. We go into church on Sundays, but when the conflict comes in the marriage, then there are no godly principles that actually hold us together. There's the covenant that husband and wife makes actually doesn't count for much. Um, so I was confronted with this, with this sort of dilemma in terms of reading certain things in the Bible and sometimes experiencing it. But for the bigger part of it, I don't experience it. I don't see it in the people around me's lives. So anyway, so I got massively hurt, obviously, with my parents getting divorced. And long story short, on, in, in grade 9, when I was 15 years old, we went, on a, we went on a Christian camp. And for the first time, there was somebody there that shared about the fact that you actually have to commit your life to God. You actually need to be born again. You need to make Jesus Lord. He's not automatically Lord of your life. He's Lord of everything, yes. But there's a place of where you actually need to surrender your life to God. It's like, it's like knowing soap can clean you, but you're not clean just for the mere fact that you haven't applied it to your life. And that is how I understood Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. I believed in Jesus. I believed in what He did. I just never applied what He did on the cross in my life. So that was the first time that somebody actually just shared that very basic message 
And if you want to go read further about it, you can go read all about it in John 3, about where, where, where Jesus has this conversation with a teacher of the law, somebody that's religious, and, and, and this guy comes to Jesus and saying, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And he's like, how, how can that be? And obviously, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it a little bit for the sake of time. Jesus goes on and He tells him, you need to be born of water and you need to be born of the Spirit. Being born of water refers to, not baptism, it refers to your natural birth. Your mother's water breaking, you coming into the world with a big cry. Okay? That is being born of water. And then He says, and you need to be born of the Spirit. And that is what we talk about, being born again. And that is being born of God. That is where we place our faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross for us. And we say, Lord Jesus, I realize I can't save myself. I repent and I choose to follow You. I thank You that You forgive my sins and You wash it away. Okay, so that's what happened to me when I was 15 years old. However, still same story. I went back to school. I, w I did a lot of sports. I was very good at cricket. It's good at rugby. wasn't the biggest guy in the field, but I was fast. Um, that I did a lot of sport, and I was relatively popular in school. And the thing is, I never had friends around me that also served God. And there was nobody that actually discipled me. What I mean by discipling is there's nobody that actually taught me how to follow Jesus. There's nobody that taught me how do you read your Bible. How do you pray? Those are sort of things that we grow up in church with and people just naturally assume that people should know. And it's a, maybe a little of a duh moment, but it's if nobody taught you how, how are you going to figure it out? <laughs> Sometimes you do figure it out a little bit and, you, and, and, I, and for a big part of my high school career, I, I, I did try and figure it out, but I'd like, at my best attempts, I'd be standing with God for two months, and then I'd backslide again. And normally alcohol or girls was one of the two places where I'd backslide to. Those are two weaknesses. Any of the guys want to say, amen, you're welcome to do that. Um, um, just, okay, this has got nothing to do with what I'm actually saying. Ladies, I just, just, just a quick insight into us men, okay? If you want them to treat you with respect, men, if you want men to treat you with respect, then dress respect worthy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was that was for free, okay? <laughs> okay. I, I know I might have stepped on one or two toes there. But I understand, I understand often, and maybe I must just qualify what I'm saying here. The reason I say that, okay, is that if you want to serve God as a, as a lady, you don't want to make a guy stumble. Okay, you hear, you hear the saying, and I know it's a little bit of a worldly saying, but it, the, the saying goes that, maybe it's an Afrikaans saying, I don't know if you can directly translate this, you guys can help me. Like, <laughs> I'll try. Um, men are not made of stone. Man is not clipping. 
Um, can you directly translate it? It doesn't make sense. Hey? Okay. Um, what I'm saying there is that if you're going to dress seductively, there's a good chance that you are misleading a very godly guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Right, and that is obviously, if you as a lady are serving God, then that is not what you want to be doing. Okay. So guys, okay, I'll, I'll share this with the guys in another time. Okay. Um, but at the same time, guys, okay, the way that we talk to and about women, okay, they do some of the things they do to catch our attention. Some of you guys are asleep. <laughs> okay. There are godly women sometimes around you and you don't notice them. But you notice the half-naked woman walking past you. The other girls in church think they have to dress like that in order for you to actually notice them as well. Okay, I'm just saying wake up. Okay, alright. Alright, that's, that's on a side. Sorry, I, I sidetracked myself completely. How did I get there? Oh, that was my weak points, okay? Ladies and alcohol, alright, was, was a place of where I really battled with in high school. And I'd be serving God for like two months or two weeks, and then I'd backslide. And I'd really struggle just to, just to engage with the Bible. I'd struggle to read the Bible and get worth out of it, get life out of it. And, uh, and that was my whole high school career. And then I needed to decide what was I going to go do after school. And uh, I'd be like going roller coaster in relationship with God from one event, one great hype church event to the next or camp, and, and I'd commit to God, and it's great, and it's two weeks, or it's two months, and then I'd backslide. And then I came to grade 11, matric, and I needed to decide what I was going to do after school. And during that time, I went, went on a camp again, and like I said, I did a lot of sports, so I wanted to do something for God in that space. And, and uh, there was an organization called SCARES, uh, Sport for Christ Action South Africa, that we went on a camp with, and uh, the athletes and action guys might actually know them. Um, I did a, like a long story short, I went and I did a gap year with them, doing, going to schools and ministering the gospel, etc. And we had a three months training period in the beginning of those three months, which wasn't, we weren't, the organization wasn't affiliated with a specific church organization at the time. And it actually, it's not all that healthy always, but it helped me to really look at what the Bible says about certain doctrines and about certain things. And me growing up in the Dutch Reformed Church doing, um, and, and getting christened as a baby, getting baptized as a, as a baby, there I got confronted with the teaching about baptism as after salvation and baptism as an immersion versus sprinkling. And, and sort of like I realized I needed to get baptized, but I wanted to understand it better. So I postponed it till the end of that year, to November, and... I still didn't understand it better. I just knew that God still wanted me to get baptized. So I was just, I didn't want to finish that year without actually acting on what God laid on my heart. And so I did it. And, and it was amazing. And I actually started understanding it actually slightly better afterwards. But during that year was the first time since 15 years old till 19 years old, where after the first time I started experiencing and living in a living relationship with God. Not the form of godliness, but denying its power. I started experiencing the power of God. And when I went to study it in Stellenbosch, I studied in Stellenbosch. I needed to decide what was I going to st go study. And I had this desire to go into full-time ministry, but I also wasn't sure whether that was God, what, what, what God wanted me to do. And so the natural thing, if you want to go into full-time ministry, what we often think is we naturally need to go study, study theology. So that was the one option. And then during that time, I 
God just spoke to me through the word out of Proverbs, and the, and the specific scripture says, My son, take heed at your father's advice. Now, the specific scripture and the reference there is slightly different. It talks about wisdom, etc. But that scripture just specifically just spoke out to me. And shortly after that, I had a conversation with my father, my dad, my earthly, my earthly father. And, his, and a lot of his advice was to go study accounting. And that was one of the, well, that was one of the options. Uh, I was good at accounting relatively. And um, so I went to go study accounting and I studied the CA stream. And uh, so I went to res in, in Stellenbosch and I started studying. And during the first term at Stellenbosch, as I was going to university, I was very nervous that I was going to fall into the same pattern that I had when I was at school, where I was serving God the one week and two months down the line I was backsliding. And I was very weary of that. And I knew that I needed to slot into a life-giving church where, generally speaking, there isn't the form of godliness but no power the whole time. And uh, so, so I went for the first term while I was in Stellenbosch. I asked God, Lord, show me where is it that you want me to be? Where do you want me to plant? Where is it that you want me to get involved in? And I went and I visited about two or three churches. And after the second time, I went to Shofar, Shofar Christian Church in Stellenbosch. I felt just that peace in my heart that God was saying, this is where I want you to be. Now, at that time, it wasn't that easy to, to slot in there. Uh, for the one reason is that, that none of my other first-year friends was slotting in there at the time. Um, so I, was, I, I made that decision on my own, not based on whether the crowds were also going to go there. And, and I didn't base that decision based on the hype either. I just felt that God was saying that this is where I need you to get, get planted, this is where I need you to, to get involved. And uh, I went and I did that encounter one back then. We called it Foundation One. Um, and there I started, I, I got taught about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit, what is praying in tongues, how does the gift of the Holy Spirit work? And I got filled with the Holy Spirit there, um, started praying in other tongues. And from there, it is as if just reading the Bible became that much more alive to me. It's as if the Holy Spirit just came and just illuminated and broke, broke open the, the Bible for me. So maybe there's bits and pieces here and there that's, that, that's intriguing to you, and that's great. <laughs> With all of that said, I failed my first year miserably, academically. <laughs> okay, so much so that the university told me, you don't have enough credits so that you can come back the next year. Okay, there was still a little bit of fuzzy thinking. <laughs> now you're all like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> okay. I'll give you the rundown of how that happened. I was so involved in church, and I was so involved in res, that I figured, well, I am enrolled in what God wants me to be enrolled in. Surely He will sort out my academics for me. I know it's a little bit fuzzy thinking, right? But some of you are thinking that same thing. Okay, would have been great if it worked like that. Anyway, so I failed my that year, and my the, the year after that, I went. I went to go stay with my with my dad. I used to stay with my mom at school that that specific year. After my first year, I went to stay go stay with my dad, who farms near Freiburg now in the northwest. I grew up in KZN, and now my dad farms there. Um, and I spent the year with him in, on the farm, and it was a great just redemptive work God did even during that year 
between my dad and I. Um, but having said that, I, I enrolled in UNISA that year, caught up my subjects, and then I went back to Stellenbosch. And then I went and I finished my degree. Then I came to Johannesburg, started my articles in 2008, started working here. The Shofar Church in Johannesburg was planted in the beginning or end of 2006, beginning of 2007. So the church is still very young. And, and I came up here and started doing my articles, three years of articles, uh, doing my honors, also still was doing um, articles. And then did board one, three times, failed it twice. And then the third time, praise God, passed it. Um, and then board two passed on the first time. All the time there, there was a lot of, but there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of failure. But every time, I really went back to God and said, "God, what is going on? I really don't want to be studying. I want to be in ministry. What is going on?" And all the while, I, I feel this confirmation from God that He's saying, "Yes, I'm calling you to full-time ministry, but wait." And that wait was a question mark in terms of time. How long must I wait? So, after I qualified, all the time I just felt God saying, finish with what you started. I want you to finish this. So, the Friday I got my board two, ex two, two exam results, qualified as a chartered accountant. The Monday I gave in my resignation. However, I didn't go into full-time ministry straight away. I went to go work for Hollard, doing mergers and acquisitions and stuff, and finance. And I really started enjoying my, my, my work there. For the first time, I could see myself, I could do this for a while. And it's as if the moment I started thinking that, it's as if God started pressing the button. And He's like, now the doors are starting to open. And, and you know what was the, the interesting thing there for me? Is that for the first time, making that decision to go into full-time ministry was a sacrifice for me. Where previously it would have been a cop-out, that time it was a sacrifice. A financial sacrifice and all sorts of other sacrifices. I have a wife and two beautiful kids now which I, which, which I love and adore and which I need to look after as a husband and as a father. So those are things that you need to sort of count the cost in terms of is, am I actually going to obey God in this? And, and, uh, and I had to sort of wrestle with God with regards to this thing. Because all the while I wanted to go into full-time ministry and now when it happens, now it's like... Uh, I'm going to take a significant cut in paycheck when I take this step. And am I going to be able to, to complete what, what I've started, what, what God is calling me to? And I've, and I've made the decision, and I've wrestled through it, and I've taken it to God, and, uh, and it's been amazing since. And there's been struggles here and there, and, and it's been amazing. But what I really just... The reason why I just want to share my testimony, a little bit of my story around, around this, and especially around first year, being first year at university, etc. Some of the decisions that you are going to be making in this year, or at university in general, some of the Hakka and the Fuerte, and, and you guys are also here, some of the decisions that you make in this time of your life is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And I pray that there will be one decision that you make whilst you're at university, that will impact not only the rest of your life, but the rest of eternity for you. Because you can not agree with what I'm saying, and you cannot agree with some of my beliefs in terms of, yes, but there's not really a hell, heaven, why would a loving God send people to hell kind of a thing. My answer is that we are already 
condemned. We stand already condemned. Why? Because of what Adam and Eve did way back when. Okay? They sinned, so we inherit their sin. So we get born into sin. We already stand condemned. We are all guilty as charged. And the only reason God hasn't wiped us yet as mankind is because He wants to redeem us. And the way that He's worked redemption is through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. And not only dying, but He raised again to life. And unless you've applied the soap to you, unless you've applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, if you have to die tomorrow or in 50 years' time, but you've never applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, I've got bad news for you. Is that eternity is a very, 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 you get the point, long time. Okay. To get this wrong. You don't want to sit for eternity in hell. And I don't want to scare you into heaven with the fear of hell. (laughs) But that is the reality of what eternity is. It's either going to be in eternity with God Himself, or it's going to be separate from God in hell. And that is what makes hell so bad. It's the removal of God's presence. So I pray this, this afternoon that, that if you've never made the decision to surrender your life to God, that you, make, that you would make it today. And even if you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about it, I respect that. However, there's one thing that I do want to leave with you. Is that God says, Jesus actually said, um, some, you need to count the cost of the decision that you're going to make. It says in Luke I can't remember where in Luke it says now. Out of my head, it's 15, 14 around. It says that a builder, if he wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down and estimate whether he has enough resources, in a sense, to finish this? Otherwise, he comes halfway and he leaves it halfway, and people walk by it and look at it and see, uh, what did this guy do? And that is what a reflection is of a lot of us as Christians sometimes. And that's why we sometimes get this illusion. We see somebody being excited to follow God, but two weeks down the line, they don't follow God anymore. And you stand there like, what is going on here? What's happening? I don't want anything to do with that. And I respect that. However, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, there's a cost that you're going to have to count. Some of you are perhaps not ready to make this decision now. And don't make the decision if you're not willing to pay the price. If you're not willing to finish this, to finish what you started, if you're not willing to run the race with God, until the end. Don't start. Okay. So it's first sit down, estimate what is it going to take from you, and then make a conscious decision that you are going to finish it. Amen?